This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Flourish at Home Show. Your host, Mary Jo Tate, is an international book editor, the homeschooling mom of four boys, and the author of Flourish, Balance for Homeschool Moms. Mary Jo loves to help moms find peace, order, and balance by sharing practical tips, inspiration, and encouragement. Visit her website at flourishathome.com. And now, here's your host, Mary Jo Tate. Welcome to the Flourish at Home show. I'm Mary Jo Tate, and today we're going to talk about how to use our time wisely. Have you ever thought, I could finally get everything done if I just had more than 24 hours in a day? I've certainly fantasized about having more hours in my day. Time is our most priceless resource because it's the one thing we can't get any more of. Each of us has exactly 168 hours every week. No more, no less. Think of the most productive people you've ever met or ever heard of. Prolific authors, military commanders, dedicated missionaries, political leaders, brilliant inventors, CEOs, tireless volunteers, and so on. Now, think of the least productive, the laziest people you have ever met or heard of. They all have exactly the same amount of time each day, and so do you. The difference is that some people use their time much more efficiently and effectively than others. Learning how to protect and prioritize your time will help you be a good steward of the time you've been given and help you use it for what's most important. In episode two, we talked about thinking in terms of life management, not time management, and it's important to keep that perspective. However, the reality is that how we use our time shapes how we live our lives. So today we'll focus on time. First, we'll look at how you're currently using your time, and then we'll look at some practical tips to help you use it better. Do you ever reach the end of the day and wonder, where did the time go? Keeping a time log will help you answer that question definitively. Just think about it. What's the first step you take when you're trying to improve your finances? You keep a meticulous record of exactly how you spend every single penny. Very many wealthy people identify this approach as a key to their financial success. Or, dieters often keep a food diary of everything they eat to make them more aware of calories and nutrition. The very same technique works for improving your use of time. Until you know exactly where your time is going, you really can't make wise decisions about how to use it better. Facing the reality in black and white will make you more conscious of your choices, whether it's how you're spending money, how you're choosing what to eat, or how you use your time. You may think you have a pretty good idea of how you're using your time, but most people's estimates of how they use their time are wildly different from how they really do use it when they measure it by the clock. I'll be honest, many of you will be tempted to skip this exercise. It might sound like overkill or a nuisance or just too time-consuming but it is totally worth it, I promise. The first time I kept a log of how I used my time, I was amazed at what I discovered, and it really helped me spend my time much more wisely. Here's the assignment, should you choose to accept it. Keep a record of how you spend your time every day in half-hour increments for at least a week. Try to choose a fairly typical week and start as soon as possible. Now, don't use a vacation or a holiday, and if you're Schedule varies a lot from week to week. You might want to track more than one week, but for most people, a one-week sample is enough. 
you can just keep this time log in a simple spiral notebook or a piece of paper. It may seem a little bit tedious, but it's important to stay as current as you can. Fill it out at least once every hour. Every half hour is better. It's just too hard to remember what you did if you wait several hours, or even worse, if you get to the end of the day and try to go back and remember what you did. Now, don't worry about categorizing activities as you write them down. You'll come to that later. Just write down what you do every half hour, all day long, for a week. What kinds of activities should you record? Well, whatever you're doing. Whether you're cooking, caring for a baby, cleaning, having a quiet time, showering, homeschooling, planning lessons, taking your children on a field trip, doing laundry, keeping appointments, practicing hobbies, running errands, answering email, reading, spending time with friends, working on business projects, going to church, paying bills, playing a game as a family, going on a date with your husband, using social media, whatever you're doing, you write it down. Now, at the end of the week, you're going to assess your time log. You'll group your activities into categories, such as homeschooling, errands, personal care, family time, business, and so on. Add up how many hours you devoted to each category, and then evaluate the results. There are four good ways to assess your time log. First, do a reality check. How do the numbers compare to how you think you spend your time? If you're spending more time on certain tasks than you realized, is there a way that you can work more efficiently? Or maybe it's just a reality to accept how much time certain tasks, such as maybe cooking, are really take to provide for your family. Second, look for gaps. What things that you should be doing or want to do are not really reflected in how you spend your time. Third, look for things that are expendable. What tasks or activities could you eliminate or perhaps delegate? Fourth, look for opportunities. Are there little windows of time that you could be using more effectively than you're currently doing? After you assess this time log, you might want to continue tracking your time on a modified basis. Now, I'm absolutely not suggesting that you write down every half hour for the rest of your life. Whew. However, I have found that if I jot down my major activities and my planner every day, it really helps to keep me from getting to the end of the day and saying, where on earth did this day go? What did I get done? When I write it down, I have a record. If that doesn't work for you, don't bother with it. However, if you reach a new stage in your life when you start to feel overwhelmed again and you wonder where your time is going, you might want to do the time log again for a whole week to reevaluate. As your children grow older, your life circumstances change, and your health changes, you'll need to readjust your priorities and consider how you use your time in a new way. Once you've evaluated how you're using your time, you'll be much more aware of just how valuable it is and how easily it can slip away. Interruptions can consume your time if you let them, but actually you can be your own worst enemy when you don't place a high value on your time. Don't fritter the day away. Don't use your time lightly. You can't get any of it back. Whether you realize it or not, you're prioritizing with every decision you make. It's uncomfortable to think about your time in those terms if you often find yourself getting bogged down with things you wouldn't normally identify as high priorities. So why not be more intentional about it? Choosing to do one thing with this moment in time or this day or this week means choosing not to do all the other things you could do with the same time. Here's just one example. 
When my business was just getting started, I used to spend a lot of time shopping at yard sales, looking for inexpensive clothing for my children. Eventually, I realized that instead of spending four Saturday mornings hoping to randomly stumble across a suitable pair of jeans at a yard sale, I could recapture a lot of billable work time if I would just go directly to a department store where I knew I could find the styles and sizes I needed for my hard-to-fit son. For example, I could pay $5 for a pair of yard sale jeans, or I could pay $30 for jeans at the store and still have enough time to earn $100 working in my business. If I choose to go the yard sale route, but don't factor in the value of my time, I might think I've saved $25 on jeans, when the truth is I lost $75 in income. I have nothing against yard sales. They can be a great way to save money and a lot of fun. But this is just one example of the trade-off involved in choosing how to spend your time. Develop the habit of asking yourself, what am I saying no to when I say yes to this choice? Are there any hidden costs? These questions will really help clarify your thinking when you're making this kind of decisions. Now, when we look at how we use our time, a lot of people want to know if they need to have a schedule. There are two kinds of people in this world, those who thrive on schedules and those who hate them. Regardless of which group you're in, you still have to make intentional choices about how you use your time. The difference lies in how far in advance you make those choices. A daily schedule with designated time slots for specific activities works really well for some people. One homeschool mom showed me her personal spreadsheet schedule with a different color column for each family member. It's very impressive, and it works very well for her family. If I had to make, much less follow, a time-specific schedule for the five people in my family, I would break out in hives. It works much better for me to think in terms of a routine, not a schedule. The difference between routine and schedule is that with a schedule, specific things happen at specific times. With a routine, specific things happen in a specific order. We get up in the morning and do our morning routine, breakfast, shower, chores, etc., and then we have school time, then lunch, then work, and so on. In my family, our homeschool time isn't divided into science at 9 o'clock, math at 10, and so on, because it can be hard to predict how long a particular lesson may take. I've found that it's more productive and less stressful to give myself and my kids the freedom to finish an assignment or a project before moving on to the next one, instead of shifting gears when a bell or a timer goes off like it would in an institutional school. Well, yes, it is important that our children learn how to be on time. However, Going to church, field trips, meetings, homeschool co-ops, music lessons, sports practice, and other time-specific events gives them plenty of practice in building the habit of punctuality. Following a routine rather than a time-specific schedule for lessons isn't an excuse for dawdling. As long as my boys get their assignments done during the course of the week, it doesn't matter much how they divide them up, and they've learned to take responsibility for their own use of time. If a schedule with time slots works well for you, keep using it. But if you've always resisted schedules, or if they don't work well for you, see if you can figure out why. If it's simply because you're undisciplined, maybe you need to experiment with a schedule to develop more accountability. But if it's truly not a good fit for you and your family, maybe because you have a more creative temperament, think in terms of a routine rather than a schedule. 
There's no one right way to schedule your day. So please don't let anybody make you feel guilty for doing what works best for you and your family. Flexibility is an essential part of finding balance on a daily basis. We'll talk about how to handle interruptions to your schedule or routine in a future show. Meanwhile, remember how the tightrope walker makes frequent small adjustments as needed and do the same thing to keep your own life balanced. You can also learn to use small blocks of time wisely. There are a lot of things you can get done in 5, 10, or 15 minutes. For example, once I had about 15 minutes before I had to leave for an appointment. I realized that was exactly the amount of time I needed to take care of something that had been driving me absolutely crazy every morning. My bathroom counter was so cluttered that there wasn't a place for my hairdryer. All I needed to do was sit on the floor, clear out all the stuff in the cabinets under the sink, throw away the junk that had accumulated, and organize the rest. In just 15 minutes, I made space for my hairdryer in the cabinet, and the counter was clean and neat. Using small blocks of time is a habit I've tried to teach my children. When they were younger, they were often frantically getting ready and running late when we needed to leave the house. Now that they're older, they're likely to be ready on time or even ahead of time, but sometimes they just hang around aimlessly for the last 10 minutes or so before we leave. I've encouraged them to use those waiting times to complete short tasks like folding and putting away a load of laundry, emptying the dishwasher, feeding the cats, or organizing their school papers. To be truthful, we're still working on developing this habit, but they're learning to use those brief opportunities to accomplish something and finding out that it will free up time later to do something they really enjoy. Well, what can you accomplish in 5 to 15 minutes? I surveyed moms for their best tips on using small blocks of time, and here are some of their suggestions. Wipe down kitchen counters and appliances. Clean out the fridge or the freezer. Load or empty the dishwasher. Dust, sweep, mop, or vacuum one room. Dust the blinds on one window. Sweep the front porch. Clean fingerprints off light light switches and stair railings. Wipe down a bathroom. Clean the toilet. Empty bathroom waste baskets. Straighten a drawer. Clear off the desk. Pick up the clutter in one room. Make beds. Organize a bookshelf. Change batteries in the smoke detectors. Water the house plants. Sort old magazines and newspapers for recycling. Fold or hang up a load of laundry. Sort and distribute clean clothes to their owners for folding. Make menus for the week. Inventory the pantry. Write the shopping list. Put a meal together in a slow cooker. Wash and prepare the week's fruits and vegetables. Break fallen branches into kindling and build a fire in the wood stove. Pay a few bills. Renew library books online. Schedule a doctor, dentist, salon, or vet appointment. Write a note of thanks, sympathy, get well, and so on. Encourage a friend on Facebook and pray for her. Write lesson plans for one child or one subject. Read a picture book to your kids. Tell them a story from your childhood. And this one's my favorite, Tickle a Toddler. So you can see there are all kinds of productive things you can get done with just 5 or 10 or 15 minutes. So learn to look for those opportunities and take advantage of them. Sometimes you'll have even longer opportunities to do something productive that you didn't expect. For example, my webmaster and I planned the website for my How Do You Do It All class during a half-hour break before supper at a conference we both attended. We were just sitting there chatting about what I wanted to do with the website, 
and we realized we could go ahead and get started right away. We pulled out our laptops, sat down side by side, and worked out all the pieces we needed, including sales copy, a shopping cart, autoresponder, and so on. We used that half hour, and we got it done. Sometimes, even longer blocks of time are unexpectedly available. One of my students thought my class was on Tuesday night, so she set aside that time on her calendar. When she realized the class was actually scheduled for Thursday, I asked her, what are you going to do with this hour and a half you've set aside? I wanted to point out that it was a gift to have that blocked off time suddenly available for her use. Something similar happened to me on a larger scale several years ago. I was invited to speak at a business conference along with some really high-profile speakers, and I was absolutely thrilled about the opportunity. I scheduled an entire month when I didn't accept any other business projects so I could spend that whole month preparing for the event. Unfortunately, the conference was canceled about a month before it was to take place. I was so disappointed, but instead of whining about it, I realized that if I looked at it another way, I had just been given the gift of a month of available work time. That's when I finally developed my class on how to start a home-based business as a freelance editor. I had been thinking about this for two years, but I had never made time for it. I took that unexpected opportunity, a block of time that was suddenly freed up, and developed a course that I continue to sell today. Now, the truth is, no matter how well we use our time, life can just get overwhelming sometimes. We can even become paralyzed by everything we need to do. It's tempting to think, whether consciously or unconsciously, I just can't do it all, so I'm just not going to do anything. Have you ever given up like that? If you realize that you have this tendency, try to nip it in the bud. Or maybe you're waiting for someday down the road to do what matters most. Instead of waiting for someday, resolve instead to be a good steward of your time now. Theodore Roosevelt said, do what you can with what you have, where you are. This is one of my favorite quotes, and it applies in so many situations. Do what you can in the situation you're in with the time that you have. Over the course of time, what you can will expand, and you'll come closer to doing it all. Thanks for tuning in to the Flourish at Home show. For more encouragement, visit Mary Jo at flourishathome.com. The Flourish at Home show is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.